What's up, fight fans? You are listening to MMA Daily, the podcast where we bring you the latest in the world of mixed martial arts. It is Monday, December 23rd, 2019. It is our Christmas episode. My name is Gabriel. You can find me on social media at Double G on TV. And I'm joined by my co-host. She is back and she has company, Natalie Zamudio. <laughs> hey, Double G. Happy hey. to be back. Uh, yes, I have uh, added a third uh, member to the, uh, the team over here, and uh, our little boy was born on December 15th. Very happy to say he's he's looking pretty good, and he's uh, giving me some time off to come talk to you and our, our fine listeners. Uh, so what's his name? How was the experience? Tell me. <laughs> Tell us. We've been yeah, on yeah. Baby Watch most of the year. <laughs> his name is Joe. Just good old-fashioned Joe. And uh, it took a while to meet him. We were, uh, th- I was 30 hours in the old uh, hospital there laboring. Aye, aye, aye. Which is uh, it's a, yeah, it's a good amount of time. <laughs> I saw the sunset or the sunrise two times. <laughs> and, uh, um, but you know what? At the end of it, it's like it doesn't even – it's just a blur and all the, all the uh, excitement and pain and whatnot that comes with it. It just feels like, a, you know, like it was 20 years ago or something crazy because he's super cute and uh, can't – it's just – I don't know, man. He's super cute and it's everything people say it is. It changes everything and uh, I'm super excited and, and happy to have a really awesome Christmas present. Oh, that's so sweet. So, I guess for the masochists out there, did you do this all natural just right there at Cedars? <laughs> Uh, that was the plan, and I took that plan as far as I could. Which and was like, I, what, two hours in or 15? You could be honest. Uh, it was like um, probably like past the 15-hour mark. Okay. Uh, and then I embraced the the marvels of Western medicine and uh, and went that way. So I got the full experience. All you know? good. <laughs> I, you know, I, I was wondering, like, hey, just straight up, did you take it or, you know? Uh, I'll say this, you know, you hear about people doing that at-home births, and I'm like, I'm sorry, but this this is exactly why, you know, God invented doctors. You don't have to go crazy every now and then, but I get it. So take advantage, and I sure did. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I guess, you know, it's always a weird question, and you touched on it. Is life different now? Is there a new reason? Is <laughs> everything else when you wake up, you just feel like something else in you? What, talk to me. Yeah, yeah. It's different because especially just, you know, babies need need your attention pretty much 24-7. So that's a big change from a week ago to now um, where it's like every, you know, whatever hours, three, four hours, you got to feed, you got to change, you got to put to put to sleep. So uh, but it's cool, man. We're learning. We're learning about him. We're figuring each other out. Like you know, what's his, what works for him, what doesn't, and so it's kind of cool getting to know a whole new little person. <laughs> the beginning. Now that is cute. So, what weight class is Baby Joe going to be fighting in? in well, um, when he's, he's twenty. Uh, <laughs> I think he'll be a welterweight. That's my guess. Yeah. Okay. All right. We're gonna save this episode long into the future. <laughs> When they're playing it on our hologram. Yeah. Anyway. All right. Well, it is great to have you back. I am excited. Um, a lot of, you know, people were sending well wishes, uh, Anthony Walker and everyone else just wishing you good luck and congratulations and salutations. So we have missed you, plain and simple, and I am glad you're back 
Um, I want to shout out real quick. Thank you once again, Amanda and Anthony, for joining me. I appreciated it, and um, they were just really great, and they were all supportive of you and everything else. So I just want to shout them out. But there is nothing like having your, you know, official co-pilot with you for the ride. So I am very happy that you're going to be here with me, Natalie. I really do. Yeah, man, I appreciate it, and I'm happy to be back. All right, so let's get it started as we always do. It was a very busy weekend in MMA, doubleheader in Hawaii for Bellator, and of course a little bit of UFC action. We are going to start in the lovely Hawaiian Islands, Alima Leigh McFarlane against Kate Jackson. Um, this one, uh, for my money, Natalie, uh, everyone knows Alima was the favorite, um, and I'm going to touch on a few things there. But really, I think at a certain point after the second round, I think the shocking thing to me was that Alima could not put Kate Jackson away. Part of that is the toughness of Kate Jackson. Part of that, I do think that Alima was just trying to, you know, maybe force the stoppage but not do anything too crazy and, you know, take unnecessary risks when you're already at home. But the fact is, that was just all systems go for Alima that, it just became one of those fights that you kind of are asking, how could she not get the finish? She was just so dominant. What were your thoughts on it? Yeah, that, that was that was right on. You know, like she she was owning her in the in the grappling exchanges. I think that she realized, you know, on the feet there was some risk there, especially with the kicks and stuff. And you know, Lima's Lima's striking looks better, but it's still not her her go to. And uh, I mean, she was giving it to to Kate Jackson. She was she was really working it on the uh, against the cage on the ground, making her bleed. But I did think maybe you know the pressure. It, every year it's it's like her her big week, <coughs> big holiday in Hawaii, Christmas time. You know, you you probably it probably makes you really hesitate going berserker, going all in because it's it's your completely your event. It's like your Oscars, your show, right? Yeah, so yep. that, that's got to be something that weighs on her, um, even if subconsciously. And so, yeah, it was a it was a it was a fine fight, but um, it would be nice to to see her be more dominant, more aggressive, and 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 get a more exciting win. Yeah, I think that. Um, and once again, only Elima knows for sure. Um, and mind you, Kate Jackson is a person she has only lost to tough customers: Tatiana Suarez, Joanna Jacek. Um, Valerie Letourneau when she just yeah. got to Bellator. So this is a woman who, you know, doesn't have too many losses and they've only been to people that you know bring it. So I do want to say that respectfully. But um, yeah, you know, I think with Alima, I guess when you see her be so dominant, you almost feel like it should have happened. But, you know, sometimes that's how these go. And, you know, there's certainly been a lot of decisions where it's like, hey, you know, you got two heavy hitters. How the heck did you not get a knockout in this one? Uh, you know, you guys both hit the button a couple of times. So I think I'm just going to chalk it up to that. Uh, in terms of everything going on with Bellator, there were a lot of big fights. Alejandra Lara had the fight of the weekend. She brought it against um, Vida Ortega, who had just fought for the title. That was a fun fight. But the one for my money, you had Juliana Velasquez take out Bruna Ellen. Juliana has now beaten Alejandra. She's beaten Christina Williams, who is uh, doing work. Uh, she beat Bruna, who's another girl who's kind of on the upswing and a potential contender. You can tell Bellator sees her and is trying to build her. 
Um, this girl is very quiet. She flies under the radar, Natalie. But if you ask me, I think that Bellator, with their matchmaking, they wanted... This fight is a big fight, and it's a risky one for Alima. And I think that's the only reason this wasn't the fight that happened over the weekend. What about you? Yeah, I think so. I think they're probably going to save that fight for not the big Hawaii show, right? Yeah. They want to make sure that, that for for this event, Alima has... A um, little nicer, let's put yeah, it Yeah, like you know, a completely viable, valid, you know, dangerous opponent, but not like someone that could potentially really spoil the night. And so, so I would look for that next title fight to be with Juliana and maybe they'll go back to San Jose like they did with, uh, it was, you know, Valerie Letourneau, then it was Vida Arriaga and San, and San Jose. So maybe they'll do that. Um, we'll see because I know Alima likes to take some, you know, long time off in between fights. But yeah, I think, uh, I think it was a wise move and belts are, you know, they're not afraid to, they're not afraid to, to, to give fans what they want right away, but they also are patient. So I think this is one of the instances where they showed a little patience and build up helps build, help build up Juliana Velasquez a little more. And now it's like, okay, let's do it. Yeah. I just, um, that's like, look, if she was more popular, you would say that Elima's set staying on the Island because the shark is in the water. That girl <laughs> is tough. And, um, Look, uh, I'll say this, that uh, I'm with you. I think that promotion-wise, now you look at where Alima is at. Now you look at all the people that Juliana has defeated. That's a big fight. That fight is MSG when they drop by. That could be, you know, a co-main at the forum. If you maybe have a cyborg coming back into action or something like that. There are a lot of places you could put that fight and people tune in now. That is where the point Alima has reached. That is the kind of uh, just rival that Juliana kind of is in the division for her. So I think to me, that's just really where we stand with it. So I'm ready for it. I think that, you know, the time is ripe. I think that they've both kind of uh, done all the work that they can without fighting each other now. So I'm ready to see it personally. Yeah, let's do it. I, love, I miss this excitement. It's beautiful. <laughs> um, let's talk about some other stuff. Uh, real quick, Toby Misic, or Misic, if I butchered it, knocking out Goito Perez. Did not see that coming. That man really, you know, he jingled his belts with that punch. Just absolutely stole the show on Friday. Um, I mentioned Alejandro Lara. Uh, great fight. Um, AJ McKee. I want to toss it to you because he got the featherweight Grand Prix roll in for the second round. Um, Derek Campos, tough guy, veteran. But at the end of the day, AJ just seemed, uh, even though the second round you could argue was Campos, I just felt like the victory was never in doubt. And I want your thoughts on it. Yeah, this is exciting because they came out ready to fight. Like that first exchange where... AJ does kind of like the knee, you know, Jorge Masvidal knee, right, thing. And they're just going at it. Like, they're, they're, they're game. It's like a little bit almost like a street fight. They're rolling around, grappling. Uh, AJ McKee is super impressive. And it's clear, though, that he is there to take, to take everyone out. Like, he's not messing around. And so it did take him a few, it's a few rounds. But, like, if you watch that finishing sequence, it's really cool because he's so aware of where his limbs are. 
Campos is trying to roll away and just with one look, like one of his, I think his left leg, he like extends it quickly to like keep him from getting, uh, AJ McKee extends it quickly to keep Campos from getting out of, uh, out of the way or free. And then he, he gets the, the submission, right? So it was super cool to watch. I love the energy behind it. The both of them were there to scrap. Um, but yeah, AJ McKee, you know, he had the guts to go right away, um, in the second round. And I think he's going to be looking to just steamroll everybody. Like, he's already has two great wins under his belt. Yeah, you know what? With AJ, um, and credit to Campos, he was not intimidated by that young man. He was not ready to handle business and send him home and tell him, you're just not ready, son. That just did not happen. Um, and that's credit to AJ McKee. I was very impressed with, you, like yourself, uh, his ground game. Um, you could tell that, you know, the awareness great word that just really demonstrated where he is at in his uh development as a grappler not just wrestler but off his back some jujitsu it's very easy when you're a good wrestler to say you have great jujitsu because you're just on top of everybody all the time and you can pick what you want very different to have a great game off of your back and defensively and everything else and use your body that way not as many guys are at that level and you always see it when you have a better wrestler just eventually get on top of them AJ McKee really showed that. Um, I think that that just makes him a bigger threat. I can't wait to see it. Um, I'm not going to... I don't think it's too far to say, but he reminds me a lot of 2011 John Jones. Everything was unorthodox, great wrestler. Tall, long, young, explosive, fearless. He just has so many of those qualities, and I think that's why a lot of people are excited about this young man. And um, I'm not going to lie. The next round cannot get here soon enough. I want to see him fight Borix. I want to see him fight Darian Caldwell. I want to see him potentially fight the Pitbull. I just, you know, everything else, I just, I almost don't even want to hear about it anymore because he's already there in my opinion. Yeah, it was really, really exciting. You know, obviously, Derek Campos is awesome, but AJ McKee is the guy you want to see burning through this, this, uh, this tournament. And so, yeah, you're right. I can't wait to see who he gets next and how that goes and how far he's gonna he's gonna he's gonna go. I mean, he's clearly got eyes on the on the on the final prize there, and that would be a heck of a fight. I'm not gonna lie. This is one of those times. I'm sorry, but Scott Coker, you need to go real throwback. You need to have all these guys just fighting one night. Yep. One night tournament. You're gonna make us wait. Possibly, you know, it's another three months before yeah. we get through the first round. Yeah, exactly. Another three months. Three months, Natalie. Yeah, man. If I had a bigger voice, I'd be more outraged. We don't. We don't find out who wins till the end of, the, of 2020, I guess. I mean, the welterweight tournament, like it was exciting, but at a certain point, like I, I forgot that it was still going on. It's like having to wait a year to find out what happened to the Avengers. Yep. After they all got, you know, snapped. <laughs> anyway, it was a very dark time for a lot of fans. Anyway, no, but um, you know, point. Simple. I'm ready. I can't wait to see it. Um, the other story coming out of Friday, Josh Barnett in the middle of the event, the doctor says he is unfit to fight. He is scrapped. Obviously, Toby and Goyito were moved to the main event on Friday night. Um, it's very difficult. Josh Barnett is a guy who, you know, because he's tested positive, you know, I feel like that swelling of goodwill sometimes doesn't get his way. But by all accounts, he was ready. He had a great open workout. He weighed in. And then the bug just got him. I'm not going to lie. I got to call him out. John McCarthy. 
this man got pulled from the main event, and I know you said that your wife or something got sick too, but I felt like he almost smiled through the whole news report. It was almost difficult. <laughs> I like I don't know if you saw the clip, but I saw that. Then I'm like, dang, Big John, the man lost the fight. <laughs> it's not. I know your wife is also sick, but dang, bro. Not uh, not pulling any punches, I guess, huh? Uh, that was vicious. Uh, what were your thoughts on it? Because obviously, this is a guy who hasn't fought in a couple years, and this literally like this is worse than Robert Whitaker the morning of uh, the Australia card. He literally got pulled when all the people are already fighting. Yeah, man. <laughs> it doesn't get much later than that unless you trip on your way to the ring. It doesn't get much later than that. Or when was the, the Nunes-Shevchenko fight? I feel like that was pretty close too, but maybe it wasn't even – I don't know if it was the same day or not. That was like the morning of also. Yeah. Um, this one's – it sucks. <laughs> it sucks, but I really – the only person – the only entity I guess I feel bad for is, is Bellator and I guess person Scott Coker because – They've already had this year, like, some main events just completely collapse. Like, the Mitrione, um, Caratano, the first one. Yep. And there was there was another one, now I can't remember what it was, where it was just, like, five seconds in and then the fight's over. And so, this one, they didn't even make it to the cage. And Josh Barnett's a big name. Everyone's been waiting for him. He's had this, these issues, you know, trying to get out of the UFC. So, it just sucks when they're trying to build up – uh, or bring bring older fans um, uh, to to Bellator with you know these big legendary names, and then it doesn't work out. That's really really frustrating and disappointing for fans for the promotion. So I just feel bad for them, and hopefully this guy you know Josh Barnett, not this guy, he can get better soon, and they can just slot him right back into something. Maybe you know can he make it to Japan? I don't know. If that's that's crazy talk, but that would be something. I feel like he would love that idea, if I'm being honest. Yeah. It was just crazy and quite the weekend over there. Um, final one, Liz Carmouche. I said it. Everyone said it. She's going to be signed with Bellator before she reaches the island. And she and she was. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised that they did the paperwork in person just to be more formal. But Liz Carmouche is now a Bellator flyweight after being released. Um I can't believe that was only two, three weeks ago. That that fast. Says she's ready to fight everybody. Work her way up. Alima says she wants the fight, just not next. Um, thoughts on Liz Carmouche in the Bellator division now? Yeah, it's great. I mean, Bellator is, is doing a really great job with their female divisions of building up young fighters, new fighters, introducing them to the, <laughs> to the fans, and then... And they're, and they're doing this with all, all weight classes and all, you know, male and female, bringing in these names that have a, a strong um, place in history and, and other MMA promotions, specifically UFC. So it's very exciting what they're doing. I want to see how she performs. She was doing well in UFC, well enough to get the title shot, but the title shot, you know, performance was super lackluster. So, um but I think I think she's going to come out ready to scrap. So I'm excited about that. I like I like that Alima and Liz as training partners are really game to to fight each other because a lot of times you know you'll see teammates say, "No, I'll never fight my teammate." You know, that's my brother, that's my sister, whatever. I love that they're game and they want to fight each other in the cage. Uh, and Alima saying, "You know, if I'm going to lose the belt, that's the person I want to lose it to." Obviously, she doesn't want to lose it, but uh, that makes me really excited. And I, I just, it, it speaks a lot to their friendship, the maturity, 
and and how they view MMA. Like it's a it's a business, right? And they can still have fun with it. And I think that's super cool. Yeah, it's refreshing. Although I'm not gonna lie, I wouldn't mind another John Jones or Shot Evans. We haven't had like a good girl beef in a while. Um, <laughs> Paige Van Sant, you know, got rid of the blonde versus brunette classic rivalry. So we need to go to another storyline. Friends turned enemies. <laughs> they trusted each other, and now, ha! Ah, no. Uh, in case you haven't noticed, I've been waiting. I've had a lot of pent up thoughts, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> no, but um, no, it, it speaks to them. I know people who know both of them, and it's like, no, low key, they they really they're tight. They are that cool. So, um, it is something. I think for me, um, I'm excited to see her fight all these names, Alejandra Lara and everybody else. I have heard the thought of a tournament. And Natalie, I'll be honest, I don't want to see a tournament because I almost feel like that, it's kind of like the AJ McKee pitbull situation. I kind of want to see the Elima Juliana fight before a tournament. Or it's got to be like the first round, like a Archuleta and Pitbull kind of deal because anything else, I almost feel like it's just not, I don't want to prolong the inevitable. Both of them have fought a lot of people already. The girls have already fought a lot of each other already so i kind of want the division to move along one more step before we do a tournament um want your thoughts on you know what do you think they're going to do next in 2020 for the girls i actually hope that they do not do the tournament i i agree with you because because of how long it takes that's one of the reasons and two like you you do want to see this matchup with uh, with juliana and you don't want to put that in jeopardy you never know what's going to happen in a tournament. And so you don't want to put that in jeopardy either by, you know, her losing or being placed as such a, you know, at the end and so much can happen in a year. So let's just keep, keep the regular belt defended. And then um, the, the time will come for a tournament, but I think maybe 2021 let's let Liz and these other Liz, you know, get into the division, win some fights Let's let these names that are rising to the top build up a little more. You know, we got to do some marinating here. And then and then next year, well, you know, 2021, we'll be ready for that tournament. And then it will be super exciting, and you can finish it all off in Hawaii. That would be cool. I'm with it. That's a, Let's do that, it. That's a bright idea right there. Coker. You know, I, I think that mom Natalie might just have more ideas than pregnant Natalie, and that's saying something. I'm... I like this new direction we're taking. I can only have so many ideas in my brain at a time. And so if we're talking MMA, then yeah, I guess they're all coming forward. <laughs> you know, they're all here. Now you can focus on what's important. Yeah. <laughs> you know, sorry, Joe. But no, right. yeah. <laughs> no but um, no, it was a big weekend in Hawaii. Uh, I got to say, I love when they all show up in their Hawaiian shirts. Everyone's just Me like, too. you know, what? <laughs> it's like casual day at work. I love it. It's hilarious to me. You know what I love too is that so last year they did the they all you know the staff the commentary staff and everybody they wore the Hawaiian shirts for the uh, Friday show but then for the Saturday show they went back to suits and I was kind of bummed out about it because it looked super cool and in Hawaii man that's how you you gotta wear the you gotta wear the Hawaiian shirt so I was happy to see that this time around they actually kept with it for the Saturday show as well it's super cool and like when you're there man Hawaii just it just lights you up. And so I was jealous of uh, all those people getting to hang out there. I know. It, it looks like so much fun. And then I was thinking about, man, I bet the luau food at Lima's party is going to be bomb. Oh. 
<laughs> I know. I, I was hurt. I was like, man, I want to be in Hawaii. But no, I look, I mean, Bellator, that's one of the perks, right? Yeah. Let's keep that in mind. Max Holloway, you know, you got to pay to be there. Bellator, <laughs> they send you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but um, let's go to, you know, ironically, we kind of crossed the ocean, keep going from the West Coast here in California to Busan or Busan, South Korea, the Korean zombie against Frankie Edgar, Natalie. Frankie tried to bring the power of those long curls. <laughs> he stepped up on two weeks' notice. I'm pretty sure he was training hard in New Jersey. And Korean Zombie just needed one minute to handle business. What were your thoughts? Dude, he got blitzed, man. The, first of all, yes, the hair was, was amazing. I hadn't seen any of the um, content leading up to it. So when I tuned in, I was completely surprised that he had this beautiful pile of curly hair. And uh, I was like, okay, we're going for some for a new look. But he got blitzed, man. You know, it was like he, before he even realized what was happening, he was getting knocked around right, left, right, left, knocked down, pummeled. Like, he didn't have a chance. Korean Zombie didn't give him any air. And Korean Zombie, man, you know, I think he really, really was probably really upset, troubled, I don't know, you name your adjective after that Yair Rodriguez fight because he owned it for five rounds and then got knocked out and now he's he's the B-side of one of the greatest knockouts of all time. So when he came back after that, I think he was determined to just finish these guys as quickly as possible. He did it with, I think, Moicano. Was that who he fought before? I can't yep. remember. And this fight was already, you know, destined to happen for in the Colorado card. So I'm glad that they actually did bring Frankie Edgar to fight him, even though it was... Super strange circumstances. Someone's training to cut down to 135 and then two weeks notice. You know, all the writings on the wall there for it not turning out in Frankie's favor. But I thought it would be competitive. This was not competitive, man. Korean Zombie just came in there and and ran <laughs> over Frankie Edgar. And it was kind of shocking to see that happen to Frankie. But kudos to Korean Zombie, man. He's He's amazing. And I can't wait to see what, you know, what the UFC has in store for him. I mean, to me, um, Frank, uh, sorry, Zombie is one of those guys. He's I, he's kind of like Justin Gaethje, who has told me he's a fan of the Zombie. But, um, you know, he gets into these firefights, but then you forget just how technical and powerful he is and multifaceted. And that was the thing. Frankie, he was fighting well. This was turning into a very competitive fight before the Zombie found his spot. And really, it was just precision power he touched Frankie it immediately hurt him and he really just had Frankie on the defensive going forward and um I'm with you I think that the loss to Yair has kind of lit his motivation in a way I think that he's performing like it in two fights um we all know what's you know we gotta wait to see what happens with the title but he's in the mix plain and simple I would not be surprised if he gets uh you know I wouldn't want to see him have to fight somebody else. It might happen, but if he wants to choose, sit and wait for his title shot, that'll have you know. I think he's earned that. I think he's one of the biggest names there who's on a run right now. So I'm ready for it. Let's move on to some MMA news. Uh, Natalie Triple C says he's still Triple C, but I think that um, look, I've been trying to tell Cejudo, Double C does not sound that bad. Believe me, bro, I know. I, yeah. I am also, you know, blessed and cursed with only two initials. 
and there's a famous boxer with the third one. <laughs> uh, it's okay. Double C still has a great ring to it. He's, he has chosen to relinquish the 125 title. He was not stripped. But the fact is, um, he's been out a while. His plan is clearly to defend the Bantamweight title where there's more going on. Um, so I guess, what are your thoughts on this? Uh, pretty much they're going to do a vacant title on February 29, Benavides and Figueroa. I was really surprised because of how... <laughs> how much Cejudo talks about being triple C. And even though he kept saying he was going to go back and defend 125, I did keep, I did wonder like, man, you really want to do that weight cut after you know that you have success at 135? Like, do you really want to do that? There's hardly anyone there in that division. So, so even though I was surprised, of course it makes sense. Like he's just got to move on with his life. Look at 135. It's way more exciting. There's way more intriguing, you know, people there. You got, Faber and um, and Aldo and all these other folks that are of significance. So yeah, just just focus on 135, and now it's <laughs> a chance to finally get the belt. So you know that's good for him. I guess to me, my question is, what uh, do you feel 125 thrives without Henry? And that's an odd, you know, I know what it sounds like because he could easily just make the decision to come back down. But to me, it's kind of like the elephant in the room. Um, to more, and I'll be honest, more so than Conor McGregor with 145 after he left. Because at the end of the day, people were like, I don't really care if Conor doesn't come back or not. You know, there's still 145 is strong without him. Conor McGregor's in big fights I want to see with that 145. It made sense. I can't say that the 125 champion has any other option besides fighting Cejudo. It's kind of like nothing else would matter after this fight, personally. And mind you, Figueroa's a tough customer. You look at his record, he's on a great win streak. He's had a lot of victories. Um, and Benavidez, we've all known for a long time just how good he is. But what happens after? I mean, that's kind of the whole thing that Henry Cejudo and Demetrius were going through is like, there's nobody left. I hate to say it, but why is Henry Cejudo leaving? Because there wasn't a guy that was interesting at 125. We all know that. And, you yeah. know, and not to, like, look, very bluntly, part of it is promotion. Part of it is personality. Part of it is a lot of different uh, chemistry and the way people connect with the fans and the TV time, et cetera, et cetera. There are a lot of different factors why some athletes click and some just don't. You could argue that Henry Cejudo, for all his success, technically still hasn't clicked. You do know about him, but is it galvanizing the fan base like other fighters? You can answer that yourself. But the fact is, at 125, man, just, I feel like all they can do is talk about Henry, to be honest. I feel like that is a very catch-22, him relinquishing the title. Now, I would have liked an interim situation... Because then it kind of puts more of the onus on Henry. You got to make a call. But if I'm going to just, you know, to leave it final point, Natalie, I feel that in six months, we could very well have a situation where Henry Cejudo has to save the flyweight division again. <laughs> yeah, I think that's, that's correct. Someone will have to because it's going to start looking like the 145 female division on the UFC uh, website where it's just like a picture of Amanda Nunes, you know? And so, so he probably saw 
you know, 10 steps ahead and realize like if they do an interim, that's going to tie me to 125. I don't want to do the weight cut. There's way more action at 135. I can call out these big legendary names, make some money and walk away. If I, if I let them do interim at 125 and then I refuse to fight that person, it's going to tarnish his, his, his image. It's going to look like he's scared. This way he wipes his hands of the division. And of course the door is always open to him. Like if he decides he wants to go back because he likes who became champion, um, then he can, but, but walking away free and clear now makes it so that there's no pressure for him to do so. So I think in that respect, it was the smart move. Those guys are pretty shrewd over there, him and, um, Obarasin. And so they, they, they totally did the right thing. And, but what does that mean? That 125 is like back to being a whatever kind of like wimpy skinny division, I should say it's very thin. And, and at this point, yeah, why keep it around? They're just, it's like, they're just trying to throw Joseph Benavides a bone, give him a shot and then we'll see what happens, you know, but I, I the longevity there is, is not looking good without a name like Henry Cejudo. Yeah, and I mean, now suddenly it's like, remember when we also had Demetrius Johnson and you could have made something happen there? You know, it's a it's a weird game, isn't it? Yeah. But, um, look, we all know also Henry Cejudo, he could be busy a long time at 135, especially after UFC 245. Everyone knows all the players involved and where we stand. So it's another one of those cases. Um, why go down? There's so much for you here. You don't have to cut the weight. You've proven you could do it. I mean, who knows? So we'll wait and see. But for the record, this makes the longevity of 125 very interesting, in my opinion, because I felt like it was one foot out the door already um, before this happened. And look, we've seen 145. They keep it with Amanda Nunes. Will the, I wondered if they do it with Cejudo. And now that he's chosen not to, it it is tough. It is interesting to say the least what they're going to do. Moving on to our next story, we had a very interesting development in terms of roster moves. Rory McDonald has signed with the PFL. He'll be uh, joining the 2020 season, so you're not going to see him on New Year's Eve coming up. But he says that after his fight with Douglas Lima in the final uh, in October, he, his contract was officially up. Bellator did not reach out to him about a new offer, nor did they uh, choose to match when he got the offer from the PFL. So my first question before we talk about Rory fighting for a million dollars or any of that, what are your thoughts on Bellator just not wanting to move forward with Rory? It's shocking, man. I can't, I can't believe it. It's hard to accept that's true. I feel like there must have been some miscommunication because why wouldn't they want to keep him? He's like one of their biggest names. And, you know, is it all the talk of his, you know, his post-fight interviews where he's having to re-evaluate his motivation to fight? Maybe, you know, it could be, but he, I feel like he kind of squared that away. You know, he came, he overcame it. He, he looked, he looked fine in his fights after that. Now he lost the belt, but that's not enough to reject the one of the biggest early names they signed from the UFC. That was a huge get, you know. After Benson Henderson, they get Rory McDonald. That was huge, and he's done well for them. 
So I'm shocked. I would love to hear from Scott Coker or someone else at Belts or their the reasoning behind not matching an offer, not extending an offer. They must really have a lot of faith in the rest of their welterweight division. And I guess, I don't know, man, it doesn't make sense to me. It really doesn't. Yeah, to me, um, and it, I'll be honest, I did not uh, watch any of the scrums uh, this week with Scott. I'm sure he answered it or touched on it a bit. Uh, to me, I, I just have a hard time seeing, you know, um, even on a shorter contract. And I get it, his comments, and um, I, I said it on this show that um, he did not look like the same Rory. You know, he it was not as competitive, his fight with Douglas Lima, the rematch, as the first one, for example. And I did point out that I was shocked he stood as long as he did with Neiman Gracie and couldn't put him away. Um, so uh, th- there is a little bit of, you know, I'm going to call it wiggle room. But at the end of the day, I felt like Rory was fighting like an athlete who still had a lot of miles on and was still going to be a big name and player in your welterweight division. Yeah. Respectfully, Douglas Lima has already had a whole trilogy with Andre Koreshkov. He's already beaten Lorenz Larkin. Um, beaten Paul Daly, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and he just knocked out MVP, uh, you know, earlier this year. There's, you know, with Douglas Lima on top, where, where does the division really go? I think that that to me is just such an odd question because Rory added such a breath of fresh air. And now, you know, it's very hard to see where they're going to go next. And literally, you just had a whole tournament in the welterweight division. I know. Where Rory was a big part of it. So he it's was very... the, the champion. He was the, the biggest name. Like, it's so weird. Yeah, it's interesting. And um, once again, I, I'm looking forward to hearing more of what they're going to say. But that being said, um, for Bellator, I mean, look, you still have one of the biggest upstarts in Michael Venom Page. They will find something for Douglas Lima. Someone will move up. He will yeah. move up. Someone will move down. Giga Musasi is out there, has mentioned it. It will happen. I do believe that. But certainly this short term, I was like, man, you know, that's, uh, that's something for Bellator to say, you know, they're out of the Rory McDonald business for sure. Yeah, man, I'm looking at a quote here from, <clears throat> uh, from the scrum this, this past weekend. He says, uh, Scott Coker says, at the end of the day, we keep the fighters that we want to keep. I think historically we've been successful in that. If we want to keep you on the roster, we'll find a way. Agents come into play. Dollars come into play. It's a value proposition at some point. So to me, we just passed. We just said, hey, we wish you luck. Damn. I mean, I guess that says uh, where they're going and what they've got. So, But um, look, I mean... It's not easy watching a breakup, but uh, you hope both people find happiness with their new partner. Um, so uh, let's talk about it. Rory McDonald is dating PFL now. <laughs> They're a very cute couple. I think that the Red King, they had a nice little uh, uh, graphic when they added him. So it's very nice. But let's talk about this now. Uh, Rory, um, first off, um, the idea of Rory versus Ray Cooper the third. Already fun. We already know that the welterweight uh, title is on the line coming up next week. Uh, I will say this. Does Rory McDonald single-handedly change, you know, what's been a lackluster season two? I don't know if I'd say go that far. That being said, when you talk about a Rory-Kayla Harrison card potentially, 
suddenly we're cooking with some gas again. And I think that's saying something. Yeah, they definitely need some names, some more names. Kayla Harrison can't carry it all on her own. And and even though they did build up some fighters from season one into season two, you know, people that we were happy to see come back, it, it was definitely, oh, excuse me, a little on the underwhelming side, you know. So this is a big deal for PFL. It's a big sign. They must have paid a boatload of money because they must – realize that how badly they actually need names and well it's just a matter of 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 the level of competition like Ray uh, Cooper the third he's a wild man right he's a savage he comes out there he tries to knock you out and wrestle you but he really wants to just knock you out and exposes himself to to what he go what happened last season one right to getting knocked out himself so it would be interesting to see how someone who's really methodical, like Rory, patient, not um, prone to to impulsiveness in the cage, would fare against someone like Cooper or some of these other guys. So I definitely, it, it definitely gets me excited again. But it's still hard for me to wrap my brain around this, that Bellator passed, that he's with PFL now. I mean, I would love for them to tell us how much money they're paying him because it had to be so, so much money for him to do this. And it's another tournament. And I guess I guess he's okay with that. I mean, with the million dollars at the end, he didn't get it this uh, he didn't get it with Belter, so maybe he'll get it here. That's a very good point. That's a very good point. Uh, yeah, to me, um, stylistically how he matches up, uh, he's certainly a big player. Um, once again, you know, the obviously the um, contrast with him in a lot of the field. That becomes very interesting because he is so methodical and the way he fights, he's always been that way even in UFC, if we're being honest. So um, it, it becomes a very interesting, uh, you know, situation and I do look forward to it. I think that um, for himself, he comes across as a guy who I think likes the structure. He knows what day first fight is going to be. They already know when the second fight, the third, there's a schedule. There's not, well, we're going to plan, we're going to wait and see. No, you know when it's going to happen months in advance already. So I like that. I think that works well for him. Um, I think that he brings uh, certainly some attention. I would like to think that this is the beginning of, um, you know, a little more of a free agency wave. <clears throat> so I was listening to um, Aaron Helwani was talking with uh, Mark Raimondi and Brett Okamoto about the stories, uh, tw you know, the last decade. And he brought something up that it's like, when you talk about these people making big free agency signings, there was a lot less UFC events, so they needed a lot less UFC fighters. Now, there's, you know, with so many uh, people on the UFC roster, the, quote, free agency market is much smaller than ever before. So finding someone new all the time when you have Bellator, one championship, Ryzen, People still want to be in UFC. Uh, it, it's tougher. It is tougher to get your, quote, big fish. So, you know, to me, he is a step in the right direction. I would like to think it's a step of more people. Rory McDonald has found success. It is not unheard of for you to do what you got to do and take the money and go for it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's that's the bottom line, right? He's He's still young enough. He's still a big name. He has a family. Get your money, man. And, like, you know, it's it seems like a really respectful parting. 
Bellator and Rory. But yeah, there's no reason to stick around if you know you can get way more money somewhere else. And it's still going to be competitive. You're still going to be able to challenge yourself. And you're on ESPN. So, you know, there are some, some, there are lots of pluses here. And, and Rory, as we've known him of late, is the kind of guy who's going to make the most practical move for his career. And that's what he did. Oh, yeah. I, I'm completely with you there. But yeah, he's going to do, uh, he's going to add a lot to PFL, definitely for sure. And um, sure. But you hope it's a mutual partnership. Um, there's obviously been a lot more going on. First off, the um, big fight announcement. We have Robert Whitaker taking on Jared Canyonier. That fight is happening this March on, uh, what is it, March 8th in Las Vegas. They're going to be the co-main event to Yana Yon Jacek and Li Zhang. Um, Natalie, I love this fight. Jared brings it. Robert brings it. High stakes in the middleweight title picture. Um, I think also low-key, it kind of tells you that unless something crazy happens, it's going to be Israel Adesanya versus Yoel Romero for a title defense coming up soon. Um, I like it all around. What about you? Yeah, I mean, Jared Kennedy is, like, ferocious. He's terrifying. He's this guy that everybody knew about, but then, like, all of a sudden, they became really aware about how, how dangerous he is. So this is not an easy fight for Whitaker coming off the loss. Big loss at home. And uh, a lot at stake here for both guys. You know, Whitaker wants to get back on the winning column. Cannonier wants his title shot. These guys are going to clash like, you know, like Buck in the forest. You know, like this is going to be crazy. So I'm pretty excited about this one. And uh, Adesanya Romero, if that really happens, it's, it's so weird to me that Romero gets the title shot. But whatever, you know. Do whatever you got to do to make money. I'll watch it, of course. So <laughs> it just seems weird. But but he's he's a freak of nature, and so I get why you'd want to fight him. I mean, it could technically still be Paulo Costa if it happens on the right day in April. Yeah. But even then, I feel like, Paulo, take your time. Don't rush it for our sake. I want to see yeah. a good fight with you and Izzy. But um, I get it. And once again, that's co-main event in Vegas. I know Robert said that, you know, respectfully, he does want to travel and see the world. You know, he doesn't want to just be in Australia for everything. So I'm glad he's getting his wish. He's going to be fighting in the fight capital in a big event. So I'm here for it. I'm with it. Yeah. Um, moving on. So there is not too much going uh, in terms of the weekend. There is Bellator Rising. Uh, it lost a bit of luster without Benson Henderson versus uh, Michael Chandler, but you still have a big one, Fedor versus Rampage. Uh, what are your thoughts on it? We don't even need to do a full breakdown, but let's just have some fun. What do you think about this show going on, the crossover? I mean, legend versus legend, you know, great location. Like, it's just fun, and you, you hope that you get exactly what these – guys are known for you hope that you just get two guys two two fighters two veteran fighters nothing to lose no um no inclination towards you know uh, as jorge masvidal would say crotch sniffing so you hope that they just come out swinging and that we get something really cool cool knockout and on the other side is that they kind of dance around each other for for the fight and it's a little bit dull so you know, it could go either way, but I think these guys are going to bring it, and so someone's going to sleep. Is my uh, is how I see it. 
I feel like, guys, you're going back to the place where it really began for you. You know, Rampage loves Japan, and that's where he became a star. Fedor became the man in pride and the legend over there. I want to say they're fighting in the same freaking arena, for crying out loud. Yeah. Um, dude, this is kind of like, how can you not get pumped up as an individual? Like, you're going back to where it all began to fight the guy who was also on a run when you guys are fighting, you know, where you guys are both on the upswing. I love it from that point of view. Um, stylistically, I think they're going to come out. They're going to try to hit each other hard. Fedor is the much better grappler. He loves the, his power in his right hand, though, so I think that you can't underestimate that. Rampage, I think, is more durable than he's expecting. It's Fedor, though. Anytime you get somebody like Rampage in front of him, you got to give him a really big chance to get the job done. Yeah, I think so. And, uh, well, you know, Fedor has had not the best showings of late. So I don't know how much he – and you just look into his eyes. They're kind of, like, dead and scary. And so I don't know how much he thinks about, like, oh, this is the one where I need a win. I need to get back in the win column where he's just like, eh, I like to fight and I'm going to fight and that's it. So I don't know how much he cares about like redemption at this stage in his career, but it would be kind of cool if he came out wanting to actually really make a statement as opposed to just showing up to fight and seeing what happens. Well, remember, this is his first fight on that new deal that he just signed, that kind of retirement tour contract with Bellator. Yeah, that's right. So he's probably looking, you're right. Thanks for reminding me. He's probably looking to, uh, to, to do something cool. Um, for the fans as his last hurrah. Yeah, I mean, I'm ready for it, but um, only he knows really what's ticking inside that head of his. I think everyone in the media has always tried to figure out what it might be, so I'm not going to pretend I have the answers that everyone else has failed to find, but I will say, how can you not get excited? He may not show it, but you have to imagine he is, plain and simple. He definitely doesn't show it. <laughs> Natalie, I have a little game before we close out the show. Okay. Because it is our Christmas episode. So you are going to pick two fighters. I'm going to pick two fighters. And we're both going to figure out what we would get these two fighters for Christmas. Oh. Okay. And the only rule, it cannot be someone obscure. And you oh. know what I mean. I'm not going <laughs> to insult anybody, but you guys know what I mean when I say obscure. So play within the rules. Okay. It can make it. I know uh, Megan Anderson once called out Laura Senko and said, How the heck am I supposed to know who that is? <laughs> um, you know. All right. So I'm going to give you a nice, easy one. Okay. Uh, Michelle Watterson. Oh. And I'm okay. going to even go first. I would uh, pull a page out of what I got Max Holloway last year and uh, mother daughter outfits. I think that they had to have a lot of fun with that. Oh, that's a good her one. Her yeah. daughter. Yeah. Her and her daughter. Okay. Michelle Watterson. What would I get her? I would get her, this sounds silly, but I would get her a book to read to her daughter. It's called The Way of the Warrior Kid by Jocko Willink. And there's actually three of them, so I might get her the whole set. Ooh. I think they would, they would enjoy that. It's a former Navy SEAL who... Um, um, has a business where he and some other Navy SEALs consul offer consulting services to like businesses, uh, like corporations, I should say. But he also wrote these books, series of children's books about uh, a young kid who's 
facing, you know, general like school problems like bullies and, and being out of shape and trying to make new friends. And he approaches it from like a very pragmatic, like military esque uh, perspective. So I think that'd be super cool. So way of the warrior kid, all three for Michelle Watterson to read to her daughter. Oh my gosh. Now you're going to show me up. That's <laughs> pressure. All right. Um, you pick a fighter. Okay, let's see. I'm going to say no obscure ones, eh? Yeah. All right. Yeah. I'm going to go um, Liz Carmouche since she was on our, our our show today. Oh, man. that I feel like she's one of those girls, you know, hard to shop for, for the fact that she seems like someone, anything she wants, she's already gone for herself or would buy or for herself anyway. <laughs> um, I feel like Liz Carmouche... I feel like she's a person you who would really appreciate not having to go out and buy it, but like a nice set of like silverware, like dinnerware. Like it comes with the plates and the cups and the smaller plates and bowls. And I'd get her like a really nice one. That way she can invite Elima and all her friends from 10th Planet um, over to the house. I think that that's what I would get, uh, Liz Carmouche. That way... She can enjoy it, and she can invite all her friends and hang out. And um, yeah, I think that's what I'd get, Liz. That's very practical. Okay, she strikes me as like a someone who likes to grill. I have no way of knowing if this is true or not. <laughs> since you're buying her plates, I'm gonna buy her like a really cool set of like a uh, grill grilling gear, like spatula, tongs, and uh, scrub brush or whatever. So something nice for her to barbecue for her friends, and then she can serve them the food on the plates you gave her. All right, all right. I like it, I like it. Um, my final fighter. Oh, I want to pick somebody good. You know what? What do you get the man who has everything? Israel Adesanya. <clears throat> Ooh. I feel like, you know what? This is another guy you feel like he's probably bought it with his money by now. I feel like he would appreciate like a box set of some Dragon Ball Z or Naruto. Like the complete something collection season like that. Like, you know, comes with like 30 DVDs, some classic anime about martial arts. I'd probably get him like a two for one and just like, bro, in, uh, as we wait for Paulo Costa to sign the contract, just ch hang out and enjoy it. So I'd get him, you know, something like that probably. Yeah, I think we're we're sort of in the same in the same uh, in the same pool here. I would get him an old fashioned arcade cabinet, like you know the ones that you'd see in a in a Seven Eleven or at a, mm. an arcade, like Street Fighter or something something cool like that for his house. You know, I just thought of a better one: Samurai Sword, old school. <laughs> just have fun, go. get on Instagram, and go crazy. Yep, start just slicing. Be, just be careful, and if anything bad happens, don't tell him I bought it for you. <laughs> yep. <laughs> All right, you pick the final fighter. Okay, final fighter is going to be... Oh, well, I'm going to stick with my, uh, uh, you know, with what we've been talking about. So what do you give Roy McDonald? Oh, Fresh from Bellator to PFL. Um, you know, newfound appreciation for... For, for his Savior, Jesus Christ. And so I say that because I think, you know, it could help with deciding what to give him. And, uh, yeah, I'd, 
that's a tough one, man. As I say, that's a tough one. Ay, ay, ay. You know what? Um, he strikes me as a guy who does a lot of reading. Um, so I think I'd get him a nice giant gift card to Barnes and Noble. I'm not going to act like I know him well enough to imagine what he'd like reading. I'm sure he's read George St. Pierre's book already. Um, <laughs> but, uh, I, I would probably, you know, oh, I, and I'd like bundle it though. So there's the gift card, but then there's like the reading light. There's like the nice bookmark, like a little set. And I just say, you know, enjoy bro and have a great tournament. <laughs> I like it. Uh, I think he's a man who appreciates comfort, being comfortable at home. So I would get him a nice pair of like really fancy suede slippers. <laughs> and, uh, let him just relax. <laughs> oh, that sounds lovely right now. <laughs> yep. No, that sounds good. Well, I like it. So obviously from our show to yours, all the athletes, all the listeners, all the people that we interact with in the world of MMA, Happy holidays and Merry Christmas from us to you. Natalie, next week, the final week, technically by the end of Friday, you know, by Thursday, it is officially 2020. I, I, can't, I can't handle it. I can't even. I, I don't. Where did the time go, dude? <laughs> Seriously, man, I can't believe it. 2020 is like, like a joke. Like, I can't believe, we, yeah, we already made it to 2020. Jesus. <laughs> Oh my gosh, I don't even... Uh, you know what scares me? Everyone's like, oh, the last decade, the last decade. Man, that just makes me feel so old. I feel <laughs> like, oh man, it has been 10 years since XYZ, you know? Um, you know what? It's cool. Um, I, I don't know if we'll do necessarily too much end of the decade stuff. I feel like that just makes... We know what was important and we'll touch on it, but um, I'm looking forward to some end of the year stuff, so... It gets, you know, it kind of, you know, peters out until the Conor McGregor cowboy fight in mid-January. My plan is for us to talk about most likely the PFL, Ryzen, everything else uh, from the end of the year. Um, obviously, recap a bit of uh, Bellator, Fedor, and Rampage for sure. But then the first week of January, we'll do our official end of the year, fighter of the year, knockout, submission, all oh, that nice. good stuff. So. Next year, week, we'll make it nice and easy so you can listen to us on your way to, you know, not Black Friday, but as you're returning all your stuff for Christmas <laughs> and getting that store credit, yep. you need something besides Mariah Carey by now, so we'll give you something to listen to. <laughs> I like Natalie, it. congratulations. I'm Thank glad you. you're back. It is good <laughs> to have you back, and I just, you know, Merry Christmas to you. To Joe, I wish you guys so much happiness, so much more, and I'm just very happy for you. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. And uh, same right back at you. I hope you have a great holiday. And uh, just relax. Just enjoy it. Let's enjoy the little time off that we have. I am ready for it. Natalie, <laughs> Merry Christmas. Guys, we will be back next week.